Hey everybody, welcome to Listen Money Matters. I have the catchphrase on a different tab. <laughs> my body wants to sleep, but my pocket wants more money. My name is Thomas, I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you and what are you drinking today, man? I was like, that's, that's not the catchphrase. <laughs> Dude, I'm awesome and I'm polishing off the end of my Morimoto Imperial Pilsner, which is so fucking good. Like this bottle... I could, you oh, could probably nice. club someone to death with it. It's, that is an interesting bottle. It's not just a bomber. It's like a ceramic, like, thick one. Oh, dude, that looks like the kind of bottles that, like, barley wine comes in. And, dude, check this out. So usually you get a bomber, and it has, like, the top, and there's usually, like, just, you know, it's like a lid, whatever. But it's like a Grolsch bomber. So yeah. you pop it, you pour it, drink it, and if you don't finish it... I just cap it off. It's like you redo it. Yeah, we got yeah. some uh, some local made cider in Wisconsin when I was in Door County, and uh, they had that. That's the only bottle like that I've ever had. But you have to try. That's Rogue, right? Yeah, yeah. Love my very Rogue, nice. Dude. Well, I am still apparently in Japan mode because I'm drinking an Asahi Super Dry. Mm. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's like that's like the Budweiser over there, right. but. I feel like it's so much higher quality, and I don't feel like. <laughs> well, I don't think you can get lower it. quality than Budweiser. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, guys, today's catchphrase was uh, "My body wants more sleep, and my pocket wants more money," and that comes to us on Twitter from uh, LJE five five three. So, thank you so much for sending in that catchphrase. We got somebody to send in a catchphrase, Andrew. Mm. Yes, and uh, we need more catchphrases. So you can tweet them to us. We're at Money Matters Man on the Twitters. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Listen Money Matters, or you can send a raven if you want. Mm. Or, or like a, an owl if you're like from John Hogwarts Snow or something. Snow may not be able to receive it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get Game of, uh, Game of Thrones references. Oh. I haven't seen it yet. Everyone's what? like, everyone's just like complaining about whatever happened last week or something. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got around to watching it yet. I was watching Marco Polo on Netflix, so people. I were, saw like, the billboards in the subway. It. it looks interesting. It's pretty I mean, good. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I need to finish it. Uh, we we kind of went to Japan and stopped watching, but maybe I'll get to Game of Thrones after that. Anyway, guys, today we're doing uh, another Better Know a Millionaire, which I don't think we've done in a while, actually. I think it's been months. Yeah. So uh, apparently, today... millionaires are harder to come by than. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> They're not like just come into our door in droves you know <laughs> so today we got a, a guy named adam dicker and uh adam you made your millions through selling and buying domains correct yeah i mean i i've uh yeah i definitely did it i got into the industry in the mid 90s uh now i have a portfolio of over thirty-eight thousand uh domains and i've sold them i sell lots every week for four and five figures i've sold quite a few for six figures a few for seven and one for eight figures Wow. And uh, I, I've had some good experience with domains. I've been in the industry for about 20 years, and I used to be the vice president of GoDaddy for about four or five years as well. So, oh, wow. Okay. Lo- lots of experience. So when you, were, when you were at GoDaddy, were you also doing this as a side business, or did this kind of start afterwards? Yeah, no, I was uh, doing it before. I was actually speaking at a conference when GoDaddy uh, came after me to come run their aftermarket, and uh, they approached me. They were there to hire somebody else. They were looking for what they would call the B-level player, and then they didn't know I was available, and I said, sure, what the heck, let's do it. And then basically with only like one phone interview, and two days later I was flying down to Phoenix and I was hired already. So, Cool. So It was pretty interesting. If I understand the strategy, you just run a word generator and then just buy everything that the word generator comes up with, right? And that's like oh. – 
Not always. I mean, there's a lot of domains that people don't renew that are good domains. There are an expiring sites that you can go find them at. There's also staying ahead of trends. So I tend to stay two to three years ahead of the trends. Uh, so I'm buying things before they actually come out. Um, mm. There's lots of cool stuff that's coming out in the future. And if you stay ahead of things, both medically and technically, technologically, you can find some really good deals. But the thing is, buying and selling domain names, it's not about buying domain names. It has to start there because if you don't buy the right domain names, you're never going to sell anything. But the bottom line is 98% of domaining is sales and negotiations. So if you don't know how to mm. sell and negotiate, you're not going to sell anything or you're going to sell way too cheap. I mean, I've okay. had offers come in at 500 bucks, and next thing you know, with negotiation, it ends up closing at $65,000 or $85,000, whereas somebody else would be happy to take two, three grand because they paid 20 bucks for it and, and move on. So mm. any idiot can go out and buy a, a whole bunch of domain names, and that's why I put that at 2%. But that's really the smallest part of what you do. And mm. then you, you also, what I also teach people is, and this was very important to me, is how to build businesses. So I'm not really interested. Yeah, you can make some money flipping domain names, and yeah, it's good money. But if you build a business, it gives you monthly income. Then you're building something that you have cash flow to, and then you're not in such a rush to have to buy and sell domain names to flip it for your mortgage or whatever else you're doing. So right. it's important that you get that as well. So for building a business, like what uh, specifically differentiates just buying and selling domains from what you would call a business and the systems around that? Well, a lot of it has to do with things like what are you passionate about? What do you like to do? What are your hobbies? I mean, so I mean, I run quite a few different businesses. One is nichewebsites.com, which is a, a web development company. And that allows me to generate revenue for those domains and I'm making money and then I can either put it back into my domain business or not. But to get started buying and selling domain names, you really only need about $100. You don't need to spend thousands. And I've had people that haven't seeked out the proper advice ahead of time. They spent over $800,000 on domain names. And I have to tell them, honestly, that your domains aren't worth five grand and you've overspent. So don't go ahead and spend a ridiculous amount of money just because you've heard some guys making money on domain names because you, it's like anything else. I can't fix a car. I wouldn't go out and try to buy a whole bunch of car parts and try to fix cars until I educated myself. You have to make sure you educate yourself before you go out and do it. So, look, I mean, back in the day, if you had bought, like, money.com, you know, you'd obviously be a millionaire because someone's buying money.com. And you're saying you're, you're going to the future. So do you now buy, like, money.money? .money, and, like, that's the, the one? Or? <laughs> no. I was thinking, like, bestapplewatchapps.com or something. Yeah, you said something definitely, definitely not. None of those because, first of all, you can't buy a domain that has a trademark in it because it's a maximum $100,000 fine per domain plus any money the company perceives they've lost and any money they perceive you've earned while oh. they haven't had the domain name. And I've seen wow. companies get sued for $3 million because they had 30 of them that were bad. So nothing with a trademark. Um, and the one thing you need to consider when you are buying a domain name, if you're buying it to flip or for profit, is to make sure you're buying a domain name that a business would want. If you can't figure out why a business would be built on that domain name or why somebody would want it, don't buy it because you're buying it for all the wrong reasons. Mm. So you, you have to really think about it and you have to analyze. Now, for me, it's second nature. I can list, look at a list of 40,000, 50,000 domain names, which drop every day and pick out the five jewels in it. But it takes a long time and some people just never get the hang of it. But the main thing is do your research and it has to be something that a business would be involved and want to get interested in or want to buy. Otherwise, if you can't build a business on it, who's going to want it? Look, you, you have 38,000 domain names. How much time could you possibly be spending on an individual domain name like, like looking at it and thinking? 
Well, I mean, you do spend, I mean, listen, those were acquired over a number of years. I'm still buying domain names uh, and I'm still selling domain names, obviously, but you still look at a list and you, and you figure out whether the list has a hundred people are always sending me lists to look at if they have a lot of good names or not. Most people have to tell, look, your names are crap and we need to refocus you because the names you're buying are just a complete waste of time. So there's a lot of different things as far as that goes, but it's easy for me to look at a large list and go through it. I do it all the time. So it's not as big a deal. I mean, for you guys who haven't looked through a big list, you'll look at them and go, I don't know what the hell is, what's what, but you have to have filters. I mean, you want to find a domain that you could either build a, a business on, a directory, an informational site, a lead gen site. Lead gen is really big. So let's say you're running, you've got a buddy who's running a fence company in Dallas. I've set up leads and arrangements with people where they pay me $150 or 20% for everything I've sent them. I had a guy in Dallas that I sent fence leads for. He was paying me 20%. The average fence is like 15K, so I was making 3K a sale. I sent him so many leads because people were going to dallasfencing.com. He didn't have time to build all the fences. He had to farm them out to a competitor. So hmm. lead gen wow. is another one. I mean, there's all kinds of different reasons you would build a site, and there's literally about 40 different streams of monetization you can put in place, whether it be affiliate products, whether you write your own ebook because you've got something like gout cure and people want to find out what foods they can eat or what, what they can do to help cut down the symptoms or things like that. There's lots of money you've made on the internet. And what focused me on it in the beginning is it's something where I can actually set up something really good and, and make money while I sleep. Right. And that's a so cool what, thing. So what were your first forays into making money this way? Was it through buying and selling domains back in the 90s or were there other ventures that kind of went concurrently with it? Yeah, I started out with uh, running a computer company. And then as the internet started to develop, uh, I moved into an ISP service. And that's when I started to realize I could make money while I slept. And then I started to realize the value of domain names. Then like everybody else, I started buying some of the wrong domain names. And then I cleaned up my portfolio. And then I continued to move on with that. So it, it was great as far as that went, as, as far as it goes. So I mean, there's lots of different things, but I started out with an ISP service, and that's what got me going to the fact that I could make money on this thing. Okay. And so the point at which you became a millionaire, was that primarily through domains, though? Um, well, it certainly, it certainly didn't hurt to be able to buy domains for 10 bucks and sell them for 100 or 200 k So I would say it definitely uh, started out that way. I mean, I kind of knew where I wanted to go, and, and I, I happened to see where the internet was going before a lot of people, but... If people think that it's too late to become a millionaire and get involved in domains now, that's silly. I mean, you can, like I said, for a $100 investment, I teach people all the time how to buy a domain for $10 or 10 domains for $100 and sell one of them for $25 to $3,500. You'll never get that within a month. You'll never get that kind of interest from a bank or anything like that. So it's mm. not too late to get in, but definitely, yeah, I did make a lot of money in domains. There's no question about it. So you, you made boatloads of money, and I think you, you had said you were worth, what, 200 plus million? Or something? Well, I didn't say that. It was evaluated. My portfolio was evaluated that a while ago. I actually think it's worth more now. I mean, I did sell PW.ca to Price Waterhouse, and I sold SM.com to the largest company in the Philippines. They own all the banks and all the grocery stores. So I've had some pretty good times along the way, and there's been some luck. Like, I had an offer for $300,000 or $350,000 on a Friday night. It was Valentine's Day. My wife was on my shoulder saying, let's go to dinner, let's go to dinner. And I was going to sign it back and take the 350 because I asked for 400 It was forums.com, by the way. And then uh, I decided to forget it. I'll wait till I get back or till Monday because it's a weekend. We went to dinner. And because I didn't click that button on the 350 while we were at dinner, 
he clicked it and said, all right, screw it. I'll pay the 400. So I got an extra $50,000 by waiting. Oh, wow. And then I, then I told my wife she could have dessert that night. So, <laughs> but I mean, sometimes, sometimes one of the best strategies is to wait. If you wait and don't reply, a guy that put in a $5,000 offer may up the 10 because he thinks you're not interested at that price. So sometimes you have to know when to procrastinate. And then sometimes you have to know it's like internet porn. When somebody wants to watch porn, they want to watch it right now. They don't want you to say, come back in three days. Mm. Yeah, so you got to get them while they're horny for the domain name and they really want it. And sometimes you got to know when to pull the trigger. Knowing so when I, to sell is just as important as knowing when to buy. Yeah. So I, I got to ask, like, what's the feeling like where you're sitting there and you just realize like you made 50K more because you didn't push a button at a certain time? <laughs> it's a pretty good feeling. <laughs> it's one of those times where because my wife nagged me to go to dinner, it was actually nagging was actually a good thing. So <laughs> there you go. It's, and it's happened a few times where sometimes if you don't push the button you're better off and, and sometimes you're not sometimes if you wait too long people will be disinterested but it's not like real estate because if somebody wants a house and there's a whole strip of houses in a row if they don't like dealing with you then go deal with the other guy it's the same house but yeah. with domain names there's only one if you want to own nichewebsites.com or any other domain name you've got to go to that one guy and you have to deal with them no matter what i've had people right. hang up on me curse at me swear at me tell me they're going to sue me I've had all that kind of fun stuff happen, and I never worry about it because they never do. They call back in a week and pretend they're somebody else, and I know they're the same person because they're asking about a weird domain name, and then eventually they buy it. Mm. I sold uh, – so I'm a big animal guy. I love animals, and when I'm bored, I watch Animal Planet to relax or stuff like that. But I bought all the animal domains early on, and I ended up selling Elephant.com to the largest insurance company in the UK. But first, they sued me for it and lost. So after they sued me, I raised the price a little bit because I was a little – pissed off is are they called elephant or something or their brand is elephant.co.uk so they okay. wanted the com it's actually admiral insurance but in the in the uk they go by elephant.co.uk okay yeah I, at first i was a little baffled why somebody would think they could sell you, sue you over an animal name that's <laughs> oh, like no, a pretty be, common you, term you would be surprised now if i use it to target insurance which is what they sell then i'm infringing on their trademark but if i'm targeting mm. the animals i'm not infringing on anybody so just because you have a generic term doesn't mean you can target what another company's trademarks and you should steer away from it and avoid it. And right. if you're not sure, just put it to a make offer page or don't let it resolve through DNS at all. And then you protect okay. yourself a little bit better. So do you typically set up websites for a lot of these domains or are they mostly just kind of parked or make an offer page or something like that? Well, I, I mean, I can't build out 38,000 at a time. I have a good sized staff. And when we're not working on customer sites, yeah, we're building out a lot of the generics. Like I own... I don't know, planets.com. I mean, I've got a lot of avatars.com, witchcraft.com, even though I'm not a practicing witch, but the site makes money, so I don't care. Best <laughs> um, voiceoverip.com, and I've got a mm. bunch of two-letter domain names and things like that. So, no, I don't, I don't have a chance to build them all out just because I, I don't think I'll ever have enough time in my lifetime to build them all out. But, right. and, and I'm constantly, just because I've been in it for a long time doesn't mean I'm not filtering out my portfolio as well. Every yeah. time ex expirations come up, I look at it and I filter out. I have to figure out why I bought something. But it's amazing how you know, even with that many domain names, you know what you paid for everything and what's in your portfolio. Sometimes mm -hmm. I'm surprised. Something sneaks by me, but it's interesting. Like I, I got an offer yesterday on luminaires.com or .ca, and I was like, what the hell is that? And then I, I looked it up in French, and it was – I thought luminaires. I, I looked it up, and it showed pictures of lights, and I figured that's not why. And then I looked it up in French. It actually means lighting in French. So oh, I figured, okay. okay, that's a better domain name now because now I know what it means and why I bought it back then. So Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty pretty valuable term, I guess, for uh, for being in France. Yeah. So right. at at this point, um, what's your kind of time split uh, on a daily basis like? Do you spend most of it in negotiation on offers, or is it more building out like lead gen websites, these kind of things? So I have a staff that builds out the sites, but that's a really good question because organizing your time will either make you successful or unsuccessful building how you do it. So the first thing I like to do is I like to spend at least a couple hours on customer service or prices that I have to get out, price quotes or things like that or, or closing orders. So I like to spend it on the, what I call the revenue affecting things first. Then when I'm done, I can concentrate more on customer sites and work with my team, have meetings, see where we are with certain customer sites. And then after that, I'll do things that I may want to do. But building up my sites is the last priority of the day. And if I don't get to some of the stuff that I want to do, I don't care because my stuff can wait. But customers are always got to be first. Yeah. And so, I still, I keep up. I started out when I was first starting out in business. I, I bought a little bell and I used to ring it every day when I hit my goals and it allowed me to set up targets. The main thing is if I have a day where I do make 50000 or 2000 or whatever it is, I started every day as if I have to make money for food for my family, and I forget about what I did before. I don't take the rest of the week off and go to a water park or do something silly or, or go for a five-hour massage or something like that. To me, every day is a new challenge, and every day I have new goals, and every day I try to earn money as if I've got to pay, like I said, for food for my family. So it's very hard to get motivated when you're working from home or wherever you are, but I love it. Uh, I was able to do that. I've been lucky enough to be able to do it. And I have lots of staff with the internet. I deal with them all remotely or I meet some designers and people locally that work for me. It's a really great thing. You can be rich if you have money, but you're only truly wealthy if you actually have time, time to be able to do the things that you want to do. Yeah. And I think that's an excellent mindset to have to wake up every day and kind of think like it's everything's reset. You know, I have a new set of goals and whatever I've built in the past doesn't exactly matter for my motivation. Well, no, and, yeah. and I, I speak at about 30 to 40 conferences a, a year and I do a lot of obviously a lot of interviews like this. But the main thing is to stay level headed, stay approachable. I love to pay it forward in an industry that's been so good to me. I like to help people. So I'm teaching courses now and I'm doing a whole bunch of other stuff to get people involved so that someday they can get away from those cubicles like I had back in 2000 or 99. And I didn't walk away from my full-time job until I was making more money doing this than anything else. And my parents, my wife, everyone thought I was crazy because I was walking away from a really good job with lots of benefits. And well, now who's laughing? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so I can completely resonate with that. But the, the, the th well, so maybe you tell me, um, say you're making, you know, I don't know, $60,000 and then your side thing starts to make $60,000, you know, but it's not really $60,000. You have to pay taxes then you have to pay for health care. Like when did you pull the trigger and did you pull the trigger while people were still calling you crazy? Uh, I definitely, that's an easy one. I definitely pulled the trigger while people still thought I was crazy. Um, really, a lot of people, listen, extra money is always good. The salary that you have is great and it may pay the bills, but the extra money allows you to go on trips and live a better life. Maybe allows you to go for those massages, those spa days, or, or some sporting event, or Super Bowl, whatever you want to do. And some people like having both incomes, which isn't bad. But at some point, you have to decide. The problem is you're never going to get rich working for somebody else. All you're going to do is make that person rich. So if you truly want to be independent, um, you it, real entrepreneurs know that at some point they have to take chances. That's not always the easiest thing to do. Um, I did wait till I was making more money than I was making at my, my regular job. Um, 
but I mean, you really have to measure it out. It really depends if you have a second income, if your spouse is working and if they're supportive. I mean, a lot depends on it because you have to make sure that you're stable just because you have a few good sales. I would never think about leaving a job based on that. You have to have a site or a business that's making that residual income because sales may come and go. You may have a great month where you may have make 20 sales one month and then two sales the next month. But if you've got a business that's making money and it's consistent, then that gives you a little bit more leverage to go. But I definitely took a chance when everyone thought I was crazy, and that's just how it goes. Mm. Yeah, they probably so, still, um, some people still think I'm crazy. I don't know what to tell people when they ask me what I do. <laughs> Internet stuff. <laughs> I not. I tell them that, or I tell them I like to. Uh, I hunt unicorns, or something like that. Something, <laughs> something completely ridiculous, and half of them don't know that unicorns aren't real, so they believe it. <laughs> I'm a full-time unicorn hunter. That's a good job description. Uh, so I'm curious, uh, how did you and your family manage your money when you were still working a normal job? And how did those uh, you know, decisions transition once you took the plunge and went full-time with this? And then now that it's full-time, but it's really successful. So uh, there was a time when I was working for another company and uh, my boss screwed something up and he blamed me. And I had uh, one kid and another kid on the way and I was driving a company car and they dropped me off on my driveway with nothing and no car and, and no money. And I actually had to borrow money from my sister to pay for groceries and stuff. So you really have to experience those low times to appreciate the high times. And in that case, I could have, my wife was in the garage taking out the garbage. She's like, what are you doing home so early? And I was like, just give me a minute. And sometimes you can either go into a shell and feel really sorry for yourself, or you can do what I did and just realize I have bills and I have things I have to pay. And I went into my home office and I just started faxing out resumes like crazy. And eventually I got another, a really good job, a much better job and uh, worked through it. But you do get a lot of stress. Uh, it's not easy to build your own business, but it's, it's quite interesting. And as long as you stay focused, uh, you'll do really well. All right. What was your question? I got lost. I ran <laughs> off on a so, tangent. <laughs> so uh, yeah, my question was, uh, how did you guys manage your money when you were working at, you know, for somebody else? And then how did it kind of transition? Like what were your investment savings goals and your uh, approach towards budgeting and things like that. And how has that evolved now that you're making easily enough to live on? Well, so that's the thing. I mean, at the beginning, you're not making, I mean, your job is hopefully paying you well, you're making enough to pay all your bills, but there's not really a lot of room for a lot of savings, especially if you want to take a family trip at the end of the year like we do. So it was very tight. Obviously, we watched what we had to spend on groceries. Um, the first five years we were married, I think we paid off like five or $6,000 in our 200K mortgage. And then that sixth year, we paid it all off because I started to really get get going. But listen, we were on a budget for a lot of years. We're still on a budget. My wife is very frugal. She's actually cheap, so I don't have to worry about her spending money. Uh, sometimes she has to worry about me. But just generally, you always have to budget. Whether your budget's a million dollars or $50,000 or $100,000 or anything in between, you always have to be conscious of what you're doing. And you always do have to think about tomorrow. So uh, being financially responsible and budgeting is probably the best thing that you can do. And the best thing you can learn, one of the biggest problems people have is when they haven't had a lot of money, and we see this with sports and athletes all the time, then they make a lot of money, and they piss it away on stupid things or mm. stupid habits or giant parties, and then, then they end up, something happens, and, and the career's over because of a knee injury or something. You have to definitely think about tomorrow, well, and not enough people are doing being it. Being that you've made many millions of dollars, what has kept you from doing that? And what do you spend your money on? So I'm a sports nut. Um, I love to go. I'm a big NFL football fan. Uh, I've been to quite a few Super Bowls. I, I mean, I'm a sports guy. So Sundays for me, when NFL season is off, 
on. I mean, I'm just sitting in front of the TV the whole day, relaxing, enjoying the game. So it's like my phone's off. Don't bug me. Really, I'm just a homebody, to be honest with you. Like, I like to go out. I like to have a nice meal. I like to go. I, because I go on lots of trips to conferences and stuff like that, and they're all paid for, I don't really have a lot. My wife likes to travel once in a while, but she works as a full-time teacher. She was a nurse when I married her, and now she went back to school to become a teacher. So she doesn't get to travel during the year, so she's always dying for that Christmas vacation. So we usually go to NASA, but really, I don't spend a lot. I mean, even on my car, I drive uh, a Lexus RX350, but I don't have a sunroof. I don't have any of the bells and whistles. I don't need to pretend I'm somebody I'm not. I like to just be normal, not be out there. So really, I spend most of my money probably on going out to eat once in a while. Every Friday night's date night, so I take that off. And really, uh, we don't spend a lot. Like, I won't spare any expense if I want to buy a new computer, a new laptop. I tend to change those a lot because I'm yeah. like your shirt says, talk nerdy to me. I like <laughs> the new laptops, the new computers, the new phones. But yeah. really, I don't, I don't spend that much. And I, I've got four kids, so eventually I've got to do the responsible thing and think about them as they bleed me dry. Yeah, I'm with you. Like my computer is really where I spend most of my money, and then the rest of it's just kind of saved or spent on eating out. Well, and I've been watching Netflix a lot late, lately. Like I like Ray Donovan. I think that's a great show. House of Cards is good. So, mm. oh, I mean, yeah. I like I like to go out for a good dinner, come home, and just like my wife asked me what I want to do on my 50th birthday, which is like the opening day of the NFL season. So I'm like, what I want to do is leave me alone. Let me watch the games. <laughs> My favorite team is playing Sunday night, so I don't want to go out anywhere. I just want to order something nice in and watch the games and relax. And that's pretty much all I want to do. And that's for so, real. Yeah. I don't need to go out and have a big ridiculous party or anything dumb. Honestly, it sounds like you have a pretty darn normal life, you know? Even uh, if, Yeah, you should. I mean, listen, just because you've made some money doesn't mean you should be some fanatical nut. I mean, the worst thing people do that make money is they go out and they blow it all, and they're just stupid, and they think it's always going to last. It's best to have a normal life realize that I'm no better than anybody else. I just had some good luck and good fortune. But the bottom line is I like to give back and help other people mm. learn and stay right. level-headed. I mean, it's just the way it should be. So I'm, I'm guessing that uh, since you've, you've made like a lot of money, uh, chances are like it just through the way things work, like other people have also made a lot of money, have met you and maybe you're friends with them and you kind of like have a whole thing. How, do they treat their money and situation different from you? And, I mean, do you see a lot of people that kind of like rise up and then crash back down to reality because they just don't know how to maintain a proper lifestyle? Well, that happens a lot in any business. It happens a lot in this business because people get into it. They get into it because they think it's going to be a quick gold mine. They think they're going to have that million-dollar domain. They're going to do really well. And then there's some turnover in the industry. The, the bottom line is the people that I know and I'm friends with seem to be pretty level-headed. Like they all seem to – I guess I wouldn't hang around with those assholes who just want to show off and pretend they're better than everybody else and stuff like that. So for me, I think it's more about who you hang around with. You tend to migrate to people that have similar interests and goals. Like I hang around with a few people that are, are happily married. And, and listen, when you get a lot of money, these guys go out and they get in all kinds of trouble, bang everything they can find, and that's just not my lifestyle. Hmm. So yeah, you, hit, you hang time. around with people. I listen. I've been to the parties where they, we go to a strip club and guys are fooling around with their secretaries, they're fooling around with their staff, or, or just people. And you look at them and, and you know they're married, and you think, look, if their spouse can't trust them, how, why would I ever want to do business with them if they, they can't be yeah. trusted? Spouse? That's a really so, good point. Yeah, it is important, and uh, to me, that's how I view it. And the people that I hang around with, you know, we like to go. We all like to complain about our wives once in a while, and, and we like to have a few drinks, have a good meal. And then enjoy the company, but we don't have to talk about business the whole time. And that, 
that's nice. Yeah, it definitely is. So um, I'm guessing like you've probably set investing goals. And at this point, um, have you been able to just basically fulfill them for retirement and then you can set further goals from there? Yeah, the thing is, um, in any business to be successful, you have to really be driven. I always tell people I can teach them anything about domains, anything about computers. I just can't teach people common sense. So you got to have that. But as far as my goals go, I haven't hit them all. And the main thing is, once you hit a goal, it's like personal training. Once you hit a goal, you have to set another goal. And you, you, right. you have to have something to shoot for. Otherwise, what are you going to do? So for me, I always yeah. set new goals and uh, new things. But the main thing is to always have something to aim for, something to target. So I'm const- I've hit some goals, and I, I'm going after more. I, I still don't believe I've done 5% of what I'm going to do in this business. So okay. the next 20 years should be awesome. Yeah, because I, you know, I often think about that. I have a very specific retirement goal, but I, I imagine like if I ended up being way more successful than I imagined and uh, just kind of wiped that goal out in like a week or two, there would be not a whole lot of motivation left unless I upped it, you know, up the ante somehow instead of just uh-huh. kind of resting on it. But you guys love doing this show. I mean, this is something you guys are passionate about. You like it. So if you hit some of their goals, you probably still want to do something like this or head into a different direction. So mm-hmm. you can't, it's like older people. And, and I, yeah, I'm going to be 50, so that's getting up there compared to you guys. But <laughs> the bottom line is when you look at older people, they don't get bad health problems. They don't start to decline until they stop working, stop moving, stop doing mm-hmm. stuff. So you always want to be active, whether it's you're doing business or fun stuff. But you don't want to slow down completely because that's when everything starts to go downhill. For me, I'm going to keep working until my fingers I, I fall off or I can't type or something. Luckily, that's all I need pretty much, my fingers and my eyes. So yeah, I'm going to keep going. What was the watershed moment for you? Was it when you started to hire people and scale so they were doing work as well? Was it like you quitting your job and then things took off? Like, like What kind of was the catalyst? Uh, there's a couple things. I mean – really is that it was the consistency to be able to keep it going and keep growing and keep learning. But yeah, once you can hire people and you can delegate, things are a lot better. So you really want to make sure that it's very hard for some people to delegate. So one of the things that you want to do is, first of all, hire the right people. Don't be afraid to hire people that are smarter than you, as as a lot of people are, and learn to delegate, learn to give some of the stuff away and treat them fairly. I mean, I've had people have been with me for like 15, 16 years. So Treat them fairly, treat them right, and uh, learn to delegate and know that uh, you're still going to be okay. And I've had a lot of people, a lot of friends that I brought into the business that tried to stab me in the back or open up their own competing business with me. And those people have all failed and they've disappeared. There's a lot more to running a business than what people see. Mm. Yeah. How much difficulty did you have like building the systems that made delegating an easier process? Like, Was it really, really hard in the beginning? Um, I'd say yes, but right now with the way the web is, there's so many different systems out there online that make it easier. And whether it's Salesforce or whether it's something like Freshdesk where you get your live help, you get your ticket system, you get your accounting, you know, you can get everything so much easier now than it used to be. You've got your schedulers online, your, my calendars popped up. I just go in and click it. So things have gotten a lot easier and a lot more modern. So for, it's not as hard as it was back then. The main thing is we have meetings every day and we we move forward every day and we figure out what the problems are and we figure out how we're going to solve them. It's that mm. other thing that I like to say, don't bring me a problem. Any idiot can bring you a problem and you want somebody to bring you a solution. So it's important that you keep moving forward. Yeah. You you have uh, you know wealth built up and obviously you know, you're know you concerned by the success of your business, but, but what keeps you up at night? 
Hmm. Uh, probably the fact that uh, I have to get up two or three times to pee in the middle of the night. That's probably what does it. Um, <laughs> as, as you get older, you guys will figure that out. But uh, it's not a prostate issue, so we're all clear. Now, what keeps me up in the middle of the night? Um, I, I'm a perfectionist, so I like to do things right. I like to make sure that I get things done to the best of my ability, and my team does. So if something's not quite right, I tend to uh, think about it, but really, I always unwind with comedy before I go to bed, whether it's Seinfeld or Everybody Else Dream, whatever I can find, Big Bang Theory, and I just try to relax and, and shut off my mind before I go to bed. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. I've been well, trying you have to, to you have to find a way to shut that. off. Yep. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a big reader. I, I didn't uh, I didn't actually read a whole book in high school because it was all Shakespeare and boring crap. So I started oh, okay. to read afterwards when I could pick out what I wanted to read instead of what they made you read. Yeah, most of my shelf back there is unread, but that's that's the way. But I But like it looks it. good. It looks good. It does look good. I mean, for me, it represents like potential knowledge. So it's it's not like a it's not too bad for no, me. No, but it's stuff you're interested in. It's not stuff that the school is making you read. That there's is no very cat, true. There's no King Lear, or Catcher in the Rye, or anything back. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. There's nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, so. Lord of the Rings is sitting there. I haven't I haven't ah. dug into it yet because like the first chapter is just talking about pipes. And like yeah. Hobbit feet and stuff for twenty pages. The Shire, the grass length. Yeah, maybe someday I'll get to it. So I got one last question for you. Sure. Um, as a person who has, I've dabbled in delegation. I've got one person who writes for me. I've got a couple people who work for me on occasion, but I do most of it still myself. Do you enjoy your work more now or less now that you've your a lot of it is management and delegation, or did you enjoy it before when it was like small and scrappy and just you? You know, it's hard to say. If I didn't do the small and scrappy stuff, it, it, I wouldn't have got to where I am. I'm still, I'm always going to be a hands-on person because I always feel like, you know, when you open up one restaurant, it can be very successful. You open up a second one and you're not there and you're not there all the time. And you're not over it. You know what's going on. Both restaurants mm. end up failing because mm. you're splitting your time up. So for me, I'm always going to be uh, really involved in it. Um, I like to know what's going on. I like to know where we are. I don't overmanage. I give people plenty of room to get done what they need to get done, but I, there's still some things that I need to solve and I still need to be involved in. And then you get the, the other thing is when you are successful, I have a lot of customers that just want to deal with me. And if I start to pass them off, it looks like they're not important to me mm. when actually they are. So I never want somebody to feel that way. So it, it's really important that you kind of stay hands-on and that you are involved. But listen, you don't have to do all the little work or the grunt work. I mean, I don't have to do all the web design myself. I don't have to do all the 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 WordPress installations myself. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you can delegate that's background tasks that will save yeah. you a ton of time. So for those things, I enjoy it. But the customer service side, like when I go to a conference, it's nice to speak to and see the people and the car. Like I love the conference. I'm a real people person. So for me to get time to spend with the people that are either in the same industry as me or just want a little bit of advice, I, I really enjoy that. So stay on top of it. Stay on top of the front end. But listen, delegate the stuff that's just time-consuming crap concentrate on the customer service side and on the stuff that's going to make you the money, like the closing the sales and stuff like that. Cause nobody's going to have the personality that you have and nobody's going to fight for your business the same way you will when the money's going directly to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent advice. Cool. Adam, thanks so much for coming on the show. This has been awesome. And if people want to get in touch with you or connect with you or you see your work, uh, where should they go? So I, I always tell people that I'm very approachable. I like to stay approachable. So you can even add me on Skype at adam.dicker. You can email me at adam at dcg.com, adam at dcg.com. 
or you can go to adamdicker.com and get involved in the, the online course and I'll teach you how to get in this industry. I think it's 29 bucks a month and it's only it costs you a $100 investment to get started and I'll show you within a month if you pick the right domain names how to sell one for $25 to $3,500 and then you'll just put half that money aside you'll already be up $1,500 or $1,600 and then you just keep going. Cool. Well, thanks so much, guys. And uh, hey, if you've got questions about you know this interview or money questions, we're always uh, open to answer those. We're listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes or Stitcher if you want to support it and watch it grow. Uh, this week's review comes from P. Becker 22 on iTunes, and he just says, I really enjoy listening to your podcast. Listen to it every morning while I'm working on a golf course, which makes the day go quicker. Since I work the morning, I get a good laugh thinking about you two drinking beers or Cosmos at 6 a.m., which I do not do, Andrew. Thanks for giving me that image. No, me neither. No, no, not at all. You never wake at 6 a.m. If it's 6 a.m. for me, it's later it's for true. you. It's a great way to start my day. I'm also grateful for your unbiased opinions on investing, which has helped me learn quite a bit more about investing since I'm fairly new to the stage. Keep up the good work. Stay gold, pony boy. Stay gold. <laughs> well, thank you for that review. And hey, guys, if you want to find our favorite money management resources and books and whatnot, that's all over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. So that's all we got. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks again, Adam, for coming on the show. It's been a great time talking to you. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Later. Later, guys. Tell your friends about this show.